Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Hello and welcome to our Wednesday Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. I'm Andrew Womack and we got a very special guest with us today. You're going to love this. But before I announce our guest, let me just say that we've got some things coming up here. We've got our Healing is Here conference that is coming up on the 8th through the 12th of August. And we're going to have Benny Hinn as our special guest. And we're also going to have Ashley and Carly Teradez. We're going to have a lot of the people that have been on our healing journeys, people that have been healed. We've got one guy, uh, Johan Toot, who him and his wife, Brenda, they were drug uh, dealers, drug addicts. Uh, Johan spent, I think it was 10 or 12 years in prison in Portugal. And man, they've been turned around and now they're living in Brazil and they are seeing people, 10,000 people come to their meetings. They're seeing great healings and miracles. Anyway, he's gonna be there. It's just gonna be a great time and we're going to have two special sessions with Benny Hinn, which, you know, the way that I minister is not to flow in a gift of healing, but I teach people how to believe and just how to receive from God, which I'm not apologizing for that. That's great. But there's a difference in getting healed just through faith and believing the Word and having a gift. And there are some people that will never be healed by just getting into the Word. Uh, we could spend a lot of time talking about that, but then there's other people that'll never get healed by just a gift. You need both of these. We need to do things. And I think it'll really be good to have Benny Hinn uh, with us. And so I encourage you to look out for that. Uh, we've been having an army meeting, which is what we call the Association of Related Ministries International. And we have uh, area advocates, regional advocates, and then we've got executive regional advocates. And so uh, yesterday and today, we've been having our executive regional advocates. I think it's around 40 or 50 people that have been here. And Steve Castle, my guest today, is one of those. And I'm saying that to let you know why we're both wearing the same shirt. <laughs> <laughs> it's because we had a picture taken today, and so we had to both wear our Army shirts. But this is Steve Castle. Welcome. We are glad to have you on here, Steve. It's an honor being here with you, Andrew, and it's an honor being a part of your ministry. Through so Army. you watch Truth and Liberty pretty regularly. I, I, am, I am not only uh, the guest on the show, but I'm also a partaker of the ministry. That's awesome. So give us a little bit of background. I know now you're pastoring a church, but before we get into that, how did you, how did you come to know the Lord? Oh, man. Don't my, have to give the whole yeah. experience because we got a lot to talk about. Yes, yes sir. My, my dad was a pastor, and so I was born into basically a ministry home. Um, not long after I came into the scene, uh, there, our home went a little bit off uh, off kilter and my dad got into some cultish activities and so at some point I had an authentic encounter with Jesus at five years old. At five years old I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, born again, baptized in water, laying hands on the sick, seeing them recovered at five years old. And then over the course of between five and thirteen just a bunch of terrible stuff happened, ministry happened, preacher kid happened. 
Uh, parents got divorced, tons of abuse and bad stuff like that. And so at 13, I went as far away from God as I could because I thought he was that big mean ogre hanging over the railings of heaven with the lightning bolt ready to strike me for my sin. His wrath was on me, his judgment was on me. And so I spent from 13 to 20 sowing my wild oats and being pretty much the professional sinner that I could, the best professional sinner I could possibly come up with. <laughs> At 20 years old, when uh, my now wife, who was then my girlfriend, and I were dating and living together, living in sin, uh, Jesus came into my car, is the best I can explain it. And he basically reintroduced himself as grace and love. And I did not know that, that version of God. And so I told him, I said, if this is who you really are, I'll serve you the rest of my life. Wow. But if this is not who you are, if this is just some other, this new spiritual trick or something, like get out of my car and leave me alone for the rest of my life. And so the, his presence the, was so real. Yes. That I, I mean, you yep. told him to get out of but your I, car. But I'm always, I've always been an incredibly sincere and genuine person. And so I don't, I don't, I, even with God, like I don't know how to do that, that fake that is so common in today's world. And, and he was so incredibly gracious. He just literally filled me with his presence. It started at the top of my head and went down the, to the soles of my feet. I don't know how long I sat on the side of the road in my car, but however long it was, at the end of it, I knew that I was basically like born again again. And I know it's terrible theology, but it's just a reality of what I experienced. So was there something traumatic that brought you to that place? Uh, everything in my life was kind of collapsing, was imploding at that point. The only thing good that I had in my life was Kai. And I knew that I had to make a change. I was doing stuff with drugs, I was or with uh, alcohol, with gangs, with I was I was a terrible person, and so I everything and you was were just. Born again. And I, yep, and I was born again the whole time. Did you feel miserable? I, I would every night of my life I went to bed in condemnation, and so I'd I'd either drink it away or I would womanize it away. I'd do everything I could to try to get out from underneath it, but it was on me every day of my life. And someone gave me a Kenneth Copeland tape set, tape set, and that tape set was on the covenant of blood. And he introduced me to Hasid, you know, the loving kindness, the, the agape love of God. And I had never heard anything like that in my entire life. And so I listened to this tape set probably a dozen times and got angry because I knew that I knew who God was. He was, he was wrath, he was sin, he was judgment. And here's Brother Copeland with this lie about who God was. And I thought for sure that he was just one of those Southern preachers manipulating my mom to try to get money out of my mom, because that's where I got my tape set. And so I was convinced I was gonna help my mom not get sucked into another cult and, and expose this guy for the charlatan that he was. So I went home and got my Bible and, and, and went through this tape set looking for every verse. And lo and behold, all the verses that Brother Copeland was preaching were in the Bible. So they I were never in there before. Your experience kind of made you more skeptical because you'd seen yep. your dad yep. get into something and you yep. saw the damage it did. You yep. were afraid your mom was getting into it. Right, and so I, I, wanted, I wanted to protect my heart from anything uh, inauthentic, non-sincere, and it was, this was too good to be true. What Brother Copeland was preaching was too good to be true. Amen. And so, long story short, went home, 
uh, and begged my girlfriend, like, hey, you want to listen to this tape set? Like, you're kind of bored, right? Just driving back and forth to work. And she's like, a tape set? Why in the world would I listen to a tape set? I'm like, you eh, know, just do it for me. And, I'm, and she's like, okay, fine, what is it? I'm like, well, it's this preacher. And she's like, a preacher? You know, she was basically nothing to now, do with. this is Kay. You're yeah, and this is my wife uh -huh. now. And so she's like, fine, whatever, I'll listen to your tape set. And so after she listened to the tape set, went back and forth to work for about a week came back and she's like, is this for real? I'm like, yes, it's for real. And Jesus got in my car and I told her my testimony. She goes, well, I want that. And so uh, I prayed with her. And so we're, we're about two weeks into this thing and we're born again. And we went back to my parents' house and my stepdad, who was a, who was a really gruff, but uh, loved God, kind of a believer. And he's like, uh, he's like, you two got to get your lives right. You're living in sin. And we're like, well, what's that? He goes, well, you're fornicating. And I'm like, well, what's fornicating? <laughs> and he you goes, you two, you two living in sin. And I, and I go, well, what's the problem? He goes, fornicators go to hell. And I'm like, go to hell? I just got out of hell. I don't want to go back to hell. And so I'm like, what should I do? He said, well, you two need to get married. So uh, he said, I got a preacher friend. And so you guys can just go get married and, and elope. So Kay and I eloped about two weeks later. And uh, uh, two years later, we had an actual wedding ceremony. And then about a month after our wedding, about two months after our wedding ceremony, I went to Fort Worth, where I went to Bible college at a Word of Faith Bible college. And that is where someone introduced me to a tape of yours. So I was in Bible college. So what Word Bible college Bible were you in? Jerry Savelle's, uh -huh. JSMI. Uh -huh. And I was, uh, I was first year student in Bible college, just wheels off, hair on fire for Jesus, loving being in, the, being in Bible college, just doing what I knew I was created to do. But I could not find anybody that had any kind of an experience with the grace and the love of God like I had had. And I had a friend, uh, Brian and Valerie Greenwood, who are now missionaries in Thailand. They have an incredible ministry. They're literally changing the country of Thailand. And they were good friends of Kay and I's. And so I was, we were testifying to them about this. And he goes, you need Andrew Womack. And I'm like, who's Andrew Womack? And he's like, hold on. And he went to his office and he came back and he had a tape called God's Kind of Love. Back then it was just one tape. It wasn't the three-part series that it is now. It was just one tape and it was called God's Kind of Love. And I'm like, okay, I'll try this out. I put it in my car. I, you never heard this testimony. I've listened to this. I listened to that tape so much that it broke. It literally wouldn't play anymore. So I called the ministry and we were just a couple of kids. We were in our 20s, early 20s, going to Bible college. We had no money, working part-time jobs, trying to go to school, going to church. And I called your ministry, 719-65-1111. And I called them up and I said, hey, I have this tape and it broke. And I have got to have this tape. This is literally my lifeline. Like this was blood in my veins. And they're like, ah, oh, no problem, honey, you know, we'll just send you another tape. And I'm like, I, you know, send me a bill. And, I, and when I get some money, I promise, they're like, no, we'll just give it to you. I'm like, no, you can't give me anything. Like I've learned a lot from Word of Faith and you can't just give me something, I've got to pay for it. And they're like, fine, whatever, we're gonna send you a tape. And if you want to send us money. So they sent me another tape and I listened to it so much again that I broke it again. And so then I was like ashamed. I'm like, I can't call him back and get another free tape. I've already broke the system of, you know, sowing and reaping. And so now what am I going to do? So I went back to my friend, Brian Greenwood, and I said, hey, do you have any more of these Andrew Womack tapes? He goes, oh, yeah, it just so happens. He took me back into his office and you, you, you remember it well. But back then, these tapes used to come in these brown boxes that had 100 tapes each. 
he had six boxes wow. of Andrew Womack tapes because you used to go to his church in Phoenix two or three times a year and you would leave free tapes there. Yeah. And so whatever was left over at the end when you left, he would take all those tapes. How so he had that? 600 Andrew Womack tapes. So some of the seeds I, I sowed in Phoenix yep. reached yep. you. Where were yep. you, in Ohio? No, this was Fort Worth, Fort, Fort Worth, Worth Texas. Oh, yeah. So I took 600 tapes from Brian Greenwood and I put myself through Karis Bible College number one. Wow. <laughs> so while I was in Word of Faith Bible College, I was going through 600 hours of Andrew Womack tapes and I, it's changed, it's radically, radically changed. So what year would that have been? That was in 90, uh, we were married in 95, I went to Bible college in 97. So you said it was 2011, I think, that you started pastoring. Yep, so, so what I was in. you do in between that? I was in Bible college from 97 to uh, 2000, and then I worked on staff for Dr. Savell for about two years. And then I went into the secular world and I did restaurant business and I did that for about 11 years in Dallas-Fort Worth. I was a, a group of management team that, that overseen 63 restaurants in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Oklahoma City um, region. And then it's a long story there, but after rising to the top of, of the secular world and getting all the money at a six-figure income. We had seven houses and cars and boats and motorcycles. Seven houses? Yeah. What do you um, do with seven houses? Well, some of they were investment, some oh, of them were okay. investment properties. I was and, say. And, uh, and so, you know, and I had achieved all that stuff on the, on the other side because I knew how to perform. I learned how to perform. Even though I'd listened to all your stuff about God's love was never performance, I didn't know how to transfer that over into the real world. Like, how does that work in the real world where people actually live? And so, at basically, I had another encounter with Jesus where he, he's like, is this what I created you for, running restaurants? You were created for more than this. And so, went home, uh, repented to my family, apologized to my wife, I'm sorry that I took our family away that we were never supposed to go and started the process of getting out of Texas, going back home to Northern Illinois to plant the church that is now what we call Beloved Church. And I'm sure you took a cut in pay. <laughs> we went, the, the first five years we were in ministry, I got zero dollars from the ministry. And the first eight years we were in ministry, I didn't know if I was ever gonna get another paycheck. So we went eight years in ministry, not knowing if we were ever going to be paid. Well, I can relate to that. So apparently you did get money. It just wasn't guaranteed. Well, now we like have a salary. Last minute. <laughs> we have a salary now and we've gotten a check every week. And if I said publicly what our salary was, some people would make fun of me. So I'm not going to say it publicly, but it's not very much. <laughs> so you've been in ministry and Anyway, one of the things I want to get to is during all of the COVID stuff, you know, uh, they said two, uh, President Trump said two weeks to flatten the curve. And I thought, well, I can do that. And I honestly was naive thinking that, well, this is just two weeks. You saw through it. I think you were one of the very first pastors that refused to yield. Is yep. that correct? No, I, I was not going to play any of their reindeer games. I'd seen this coming for a while. Um, because I'd spent when I was a kid, because there was so much deception and spiritual manipulation and also natural manipulation, I've always been a person that's had my ear to the ground 
you know, the what they're called now conspiracy theorists, which are turning out to not be conspiracies. That's right. They're all the wildest out. conspiracy theories <laughs> now are... <laughs> they're all turning out to be pretty true, but I've, I've kept my ear to the ground on these kind of things because I know that it is important to see, you know, the seers of the Old Testament, it was important for them to look into how things were and make sure that they helped God's people navigate those kind of times. You know, this is a prophetic call that all spiritual leaders should have, is to be able to read the signs of the times and make sure that they help navigate the people that they're leading. And so I'd seen this thing coming for a while. And I've been preparing our church. I was teaching on the finished work of Christ. I was teaching on, on healing and, and who we are because of the stripes of Jesus 2,000 years ago and what to do about these kind of deceptions. So when this thing came out, I knew right away and I told our church right away, this is it. Like this is what they've been trying to plan to do. This is about shutting down the church. This is about shutting down the truth this is about restricting the spirit of God. It's not about a pandemic. It's not about a virus. It's not about, and obviously I took tons of flack. And, and most of the pushback that I got was in the body of Christ, which you that's have true. experienced things just like that. And so that's, how that's did the government right? respond when you refused to go along with them? So, yep, so that uh, the day that they declared that we're going into lockdown, shutdown, and obviously that included the churches, even though we had a First Amendment right. Um, I, I stood up and I, I called an emergency board meeting with our peeps and I said, just letting you guys know, this is, this is wrong. This violates the First Amendment, the first clause of the First Amendment, and it also violates Hebrews 10.25 that you know, says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so I said, we have, we have a mandate by God who is the head of the church, and we have a mandate by the Founding Fathers, which is the law of the land. So just, just to dip real quickly into Romans 13, which is in my book, you know, a lot of people use Romans 13 to try to, to try to shut me down and silence me because you're supposed to listen to the government. But Romans 13 says that you're supposed to listen to the authorities that God put into place. And what the authority that God put into place in the United States of America starts with the Constitution. Mm -hmm. So if any elected leader violates the Constitution, it is actually my biblical responsibility to, uh, to civically oppose them. Not, you know, with muskets, I'm not talking about, you know, doing an uprising, but I, it is my responsibility to oppose them if they are opposing the founding documents, the founding principles of what our country stands Well, even our Declaration of Independence, when it was giving the reasons for it, it says that it, when, you know, all of these usur I can't pronounce yep. these words, usurpations of uh, freedom and stuff take place, it's the duty of people yep. to respond is what they say. And man, the church at, by and large advocated yeah, and I think it's I think it's 29 different violations that they implied towards King George, you know, back then. And if you go and read those now, like it's prophetic. Some of the things that are happening right now in our nation, right now in our government are literally the exact thing that we declared independence from that system of government. And now here we are with the same system of government. So you refuse to shut down. We're going to take a break here in just a little bit. And so uh, if you've got a question for Steve, uh, you can call 719-619-2341 and we'll be glad to take your questions. But when you refused to obey the government, what was their response? So um, immediately, firstly, they wanted to basically just ignore me. I was a little little church in little small town America, you know, a little cornfield. I'm, I'm in Lena, Illinois, which is just a community of 3,000 people. And at, back then we had a church of like 60 people. 
And so, you know, we, they probably their best idea was just ignore Steve, who cares? But the problem was is that when the community found out that we were actually open, there was actually people that were excited about being in church on Sunday. And so our church got flooded with people and they were shooting videos and taking, and taking pictures and posting on, on social media. So it went viral. And so Steve Castle, here he is having church in the middle of a lockdown. He's going to kill grandma, you know, what kind of a terrible preacher. <laughs> and so immediately then, uh, about 10 days later, I got my cease and desist letter from our local state's attorney, which I'm an elected official in our county. And so a lot of these people that I'm, I'm going to reference were friends of mine. These are elected officials that I serve with, that I work with. And I got a cease and desist letter from our state's attorney, and I called him. And I said, bro... <laughs> He's like, basically, and I don't want to get into too much of it. What I can cover, I covered in my book, so I don't want to, I don't want to hurt anybody. But basically what it was was that he let me know that the pressure on him to do what he was doing was coming from way above him. And so this was basically directly done through the governor, J.B. Pritzker of Illinois, where he's like, this Steve Castle thing, like, this is not going to happen, which is exactly how tyranny works. Make an example yep. out of you. To, yep, to make a martyr, out. you know, out of the person, stomp them out of existence. And so we immediately, at that point, what we did was we immediately looked for someone to, to help us, someone that was going to give us some kind of either legal protection or some kind of courtroom of public opinion protection that would get the heat of the government off because they said that next Sunday they were coming. If we had our church open, they were coming to arrest me. I was going to have two years in jail tens of thousands of dollars of fine. My wife and family was going to watch me be handcuffed and per perk walked out, off, out of my church. And so it was real. It was, and so we were looking for help and I called and I'm not going to name names and I didn't in my book either, but I called every ministry that I knew and I called every, every Christian or conservative legal organization that I was aware of. And I said, I need help. I'm going to go to jail for preaching the gospel in the church that God started. And basically, it was crickets. They, nobody, in fact, I had multiple of these law firms say, you know, what kind of a terrible pastor are you? Don't you care about your people? Shut down your church. Just listen. Romans 13. And so I basically, after we, I reached out to 20 or 30 of these organizations, and some of them were very public. Like, if you go online, like, we protect churches, you know, we're pro-constitution, you know, pro-conservative, uh, pro pro-Christian. And when you reached out to them, they were, it was just, you, you, you bumped your head against a wall, and you didn't know Same thing happened on. to me. I wasn't yep. as quick doing it as what you were, but we called five or six of these organizations you're talking about, and people that they would know, and they all said, you hadn't got a chance. Yep. They wouldn't represent us until we got the Liberty Council. So my final, my final reach out was to the Thomas More Society, which was a Catholic organization that mainly specialized in the, uh, the sidewalk counselors outside mm -hmm. of abortion clinics. That's basically what the majority of what they did was. And so I just happened to have an attorney call me back and he said, you got five minutes to tell me why you think that we should represent you. And so I'm a preacher. I can't even say my name in five minutes. <laughs> so I took off as quick as I could, and I tried to explain it. You know, Hebrews 10.25 and the Constitution, because I have a minor in U.S. history. And so I was like, this is what it's supposed to be. And, the and he said, okay, your five minutes are up. Click. And so I went, I literally remember, I went out to my wife, and she was in the kitchen. And I said, baby, that's it. We're out. Like, there is nobody in this country that's going to protect me. 
I don't know if I'm going to jail. I said, but I love you. I love Jesus. I, it's an honor for me to go to go to jail for Jesus. And she's like, it's an honor for me to be married to a man going to jail for Jesus. Wow. Man, let me tell you how great my wife is. And so I, I went to church that Sunday just fully expecting for them to come in. I, I called the whole church. I said, if you're coming today, they're probably going to arrest me, which by default means they might arrest you. And they still showed up. God bless them. And uh, they didn't come and arrest me. Uh, you know, who knows what happened? I have no idea Most to this of day. Most intimidation. Yep. My, and, know, and if they'd have was. arrested yep. you, it would have been the worst thing they'd have ever done. Yep. You'd have gotten a lot of support. The next week I got a call back from the attorney at Thomas More. He said, I went and talked to the partners and they think that there might be something here. You don't have five minutes. Explain to me why we should, uh, why we should defend you in this crazy situation that you're in. And after about an hour and a half phone call on the phone with this attorney, he was 100% completely convinced as a Catholic that he needed to support this crazy Pentecostal evangelical preacher in his fight against the government. Wow. So he went back. So Thomas Moore was now our attorneys. The next Sunday, it was media blitz. We had all the TV cameras out in front of our church, um, all the people that were going to take you a bullet. You couldn't have bought that kind of publicity. <laughs> it turned out God worked it together for good. All the, uh, all the people, which you've experienced this, all the people like, Pastor, we got your back. I'll take a bullet for you. You know, I'll go to hell for you. Um, we lost one third of our church. I lost half my board and half my staff because they're like, hey, we didn't sign up for this. We just wanted to be Christians and you're taking us into this. You're fighting the government. You're, you're going against the grain. You're doing all this stuff. You're causing problems. Like this is not what we signed up for. We'll just go find another church. We had a church split in the middle of that um, and it, it, it turned in, it was terrible. We ended up with thousands, thousands of phone calls messages, emails that went, many of them went to my administrative assistant, who's just the sweetest gal ever. And they're cussing her out. These are preachers and Christians calling her up, cussing her out. You're terrible. Your pastor is this and that. We had bomb threats at the church. We had shooting threats at the church. Uh, my life was threatened umpteen times. They were going to come and do terrible things to my wife and my two children in front of me, tie me up, make me watch, and then kill me afterwards because of what I do. Some of them sent me Google pictures of my house, Google Earth pictures of my house. This is where you live. I'm going to kill you at midnight on such and such a day. And so we went through um, hell. And in the middle of that, because of my connection to Army, so here's where, here's where it gets real. Because of my connection through Army, I was talking to Pastor Rich. Pastor Rich Van Winkle is my pastor. And uh, Stephanie Johnson, which was, this is way back when Army was still kind of small. It was just Brian Nutman and Stephanie Johnson. And I was talking to Pastor Rich and Stephanie, and they're like, you're going through this? And they were both in tears. And they're like, this is not okay. And one of our brothers in arms, one of our Army members, one of our friends, our brother, it should not be going through this alone. And so they prayed for me and they, and they supported me and they loved me. It was the first two people outside of our church that actually gave me any love and support. And Pastor Rich called you and you called Richard Harris and you said, I want Steve on our show. I want everybody to know what he's doing, how he's fighting this. And so Andrew Womack Ministries is the first and the only to this day that I know of ministry that got involved with me fighting the government. And because of what you did, it actually changed the public opinion. And so I started to win in the courtroom of public opinion 
and about nine months later, it's a super long story, but about nine months later, we eventually had our case conjoined with all the cases that went to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court, you, you know, because it affected you too, the Supreme Court finally come out and said, you can't do this to the churches. They're First Amendment protected, hands off the church. And so because of what we did, we started the fight. I was the first pastor in the whole nation that fought these things. And because of what we did, every church in America had the right to open uh, their doors cool. and be unmolested by the government. Man, we're out of time in this first segment. <laughs> We've got to talk about a few more things on the other side, but let's take a break. And uh, we're going to take a 90 second break and come back. But let me say that if you would like to talk to Steve, if you have any questions, you can call 719-619-2341. And I tell you, this is something that we need to be aware of. You know, when I was a kid, we always heard about persecution of Christians, yeah. but I thought it was over in another country or something, or it wouldn't happen in my lifetime. But it's happening. And right here, you're hearing a testimony about how that our government has been weaponized against the church. And it's, you know, they use the ex excuse of a of a pandemic, but honestly, it was an overreach by government, and it's been proven since the pandemic's over. They're still exercising undue control. So let's take a break, and we'll come back on the other side. But remember that we'd like to have you call. Our phones are all open at the moment. It's 719-619-2341, and we'll be right back after this break. The moment you believe your healing is done, and it's just a matter of time until whatever the symptoms are, are gone. You observe what Jesus did and try in your mind and say, I'm making a judgment that Jesus paid the price for me. We focus on what the doctors can do for us more than what God can do for us. Say, God is my healer, not the doctor. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. So we're back from Truth and Liberty live call-in program. I've got uh, Pastor Steve Castle with me, and I tell you, it was amazing in this first segment, the things that he's sharing. We would like to take your calls. Before we go to the calls, I'm going to ask him a few more questions, but you can call 719-619-2341, and we would love to... Uh, have you call in and either make a comment or have a question on this, and uh, we'd love to talk to you. So, Steve, how did this affect your church? You've talked about all of the trauma that you went through, and you did win a, um, a court case in front of the Supreme Court. You co joined with some other ministries, but how's it affected your church, and how's it affected your town? What's, what's it like now in Lena? Um, so the community as a whole still doesn't quite know what to do with me. Uh, there, there's still that, that awkwardness of 
probably the realization that maybe they were wrong, maybe I was right, and you know how well people do with that. That's 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 always warm. They'd fuzzies. have to humble. <laughs> yep, there's a lot of humility involved with there, which you know they should listen to a lot of your messages because they deal very well with humility. Um, but the church as a whole, uh, this is the church that was in K and I's heart when we planted it. The church that we have now. It literally took 11 years to get there. But this is the church that was in our heart. Our, we've uh, tripled in, in size in pretty much every way you can measure you it. You couldn't have bought that kind of nope. a promotion. Nope. You know, and this is one of the things people don't understand, but when you stand up, you will suffer for it. You, you had a church split. You'll have people leave. But, man, other people are looking for somebody yep. that's got a backbone. And, you know, I'm friends with Jack Hibbs and also Rob McCoy, and both of them in California stood up, and their churches have gone up like ten times what they were. Yep. And because people are looking for somebody. And, and to be honest, if we were in a metropolitan area, we probably would have went over ten. We have people, we have probably 20 or 30 people every single Sunday that drive over two hours just to come to wow. church every Sunday. And sometimes they come on Wednesday. We have small groups, grace groups. And so if we were in a metropolitan area, we absolutely would have experienced what those kind of testimonies were so because you, people are looking for folks. That so you strong. said before this happened, you were running about 60 people in your triple. So are you 100 and 80 or yeah, we're, our, our normal Sunday attendance is somewhere between 100 and 150 every Sunday. And we're, we, we can only seat about 160. So I've we been actually, to your church. And yeah. It's beautiful. You've remodeled yeah. yep. it. It's an old, old church, but you remodeled yeah, it. Yeah, we're, out, we're out of church right now. In fact, our conversation for the last two or three months is what do we do? And we're, we're running out of dirt. We basically don't have any dirt. We don't have the $10 million to plan a new church somewhere. And so we're literally in that in that quandary, that good problem of what do we do with this growth? How do we handle the growth? And you know, for any of the ministers out there, you, people are looking for courage. People are looking for truth. People are looking for folks that aren't going to bow the knee to the to the culture, to the society, to the government, to whatever's going on out there. And so the, this is the best uh, church growth. Uh, the formula you could ever possibly have. Just preach the gospel, be bold, be courageous, and do what the king has called you to do, and the king will build your church. Matthew 16, 18, I will build Amen. my church. So you've written this book about liberating the bride, and I assume you have all of this story in here? Yep. Yes, sir. And what else? Do you have... Uh, I also have some of the core doctrines that uh, that gave me the 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 confidence and the courage to do what I did. Not for one second was I ever fearful about what the government would do to me, would do to my family. Not one second. And, and, and I say that with, you know, hand to God. That, and how about, never... how about the people that were threatening to kill you and hurt your family? Did that ever bother you? Uh, nope. I, I knew. So my name is Stephen. And I was, my mom named me after a martyr. And so I've grown up literally my, my whole life with the reality that this is what God's created me to be and to do. And so I have, I literally have no fear about serving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I have to tell you that we, we didn't go through as bad as what you're talking about, but we were given a cease and desist. We had to sue the government twice. They sued us. They threatened to come arrest us. We went through some of the same things. If I'm arrested, I told the congregation, don't yell at them, don't yep. do anything. Yep. And, and so it was the same, not, not as bad as what you're describing. But my wife came to me, and she was in tears saying, I hate this. Yep. 
And I said, I hate it too, but what are you going to do? Compromise your convictions? So I may not have been quite as good at it as what you were. Well, I hated it, but I just determined I had to take it. You know, Kay and I, we, we planted a church in a very religious environment, and in the area that we're at is Catholic and Lutheran and Methodist. And so, like, from the get-go, we were, we were always under pressure, under persecution. People had always been lying about us, always been, you know, we were the cult from day one that we were formed. And so some of it, I, I see now in retrospect how God was kind of strengthening the preparing. information on the inside of me and preparing me for this. And I'll never forget, let me tell you about my wife. And I'll do this without getting emotional. But when we had our church split, the person that split our church was one of the leaders in our church. And we were having a Zoom and we were trying to figure out, you know, how to deal with the latest attack that the, that the government said that they were going to come and lock the door and condemn our building and stuff. And finally, this guy said, I'm out of here. I didn't sign up for this. I'm quitting this church. I'm, I'm done. And I'm like, dude, you said you're going to, you'd go to jail for me like you'd take a bullet. And he goes, yeah, well, things have changed. And, and me and Kay were on the Zoom talking to him. And I'll never forget, his wife stuck her face in the Zoom and she said, Kay, how would you feel if your children seeing their father carried off into a police car in handcuffs? And Kay looked, and Kay is not that Kay is incredibly gracious, very merciful. She's one of the most meek people that you'll ever meet. And she looked back in that Zoom, she goes, it would be the greatest honor of my life to see my husband arrested for the gospel of the Lord wow. Jesus Christ. That's and I'm awesome. telling you on the inside of me, man, it was fire shut up in my bones. In and you know, moment. ladies, this is another lesson that we could learn from this, that if a woman would support yep. her husband, it's just like saying, sick him to a dog. Yep. I yep. bet you, you felt like oh, incredible man. Hulk. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was Popeye, I took my spinach in that moment and I was, ready. Awesome. I was ready to do whatever. And I, I, I didn't have any fear whatsoever during the entire course, but it was because I had been building these things into my heart for some time. So it wasn't like I just kind of rose to the occasion. It wasn't there. And sometimes you hear stories like that. But God is very gracious and he knows what's coming. And if we, if we stay in intimacy with him and we respond to how the spirit is leading us, we will always be ready. We will never be tempted beyond which, which is our measure to be able to accomplish it. And so we, we were ready in those moments to do what we needed to do. Uh, so we're going to be going to calls here in just a few minutes. Uh, let me encourage you again. We've got some lines open. You can call us 719-619-2341. But let me ask you, why don't more ministers stand up? I, I'm sure that being threatened to go to jail, having your family threatened, the physical things, but, you know, they, they could lose their, their whole uh, church. Many of them, this is their livelihood. They don't know what else they would do. There's just a lot of dynamics. But what would you say to ministers that aren't taking a stand? Um, I would say the top three things, and, I, and this is not only, but the top three things is, number one, public opinion, the fear of man. The fear of man brings a snare, and it, it, it's a real snare. Like, that's not just a cool proverb. That's, that's real. And there I don't is, think any of us were made for rejection. Nope, if nope. you lack rejection, something's wrong with you. Nope. So there's something inside of every person that wants to be loved and accepted. And as a person who's spent a lot of times, I was, I was in executive management, I've owned my own businesses, I've owned my own restaurant, 
And so I'm a person that's spent many decades in leadership, in management, in supervisory roles, in business ownership. And I will tell you that of all the different types of categories of people that I've dealt with, I would say generally ministers are some of the most insecure people that I've ever, ever dealt with. I ever agree. Dealt with. You know, it's a trap because you want to love people, you want to help people, and so you start ministering and you see people's lives change. And if you aren't careful, you will become addicted yep. to the praise. Yep. And when you see somebody that comes up and rejects you without even realizing that yep. you moved away from wanting to please God and you're a man pleaser. Yep. And uh, I, I heard this quote one time uh, from, a, from a person that I greatly respect, and I don't want to say his name because I don't know if he wants to be mentioned on your show, but uh, he said that if you do not allow people's criticism to get into your head, then you'll also not allow anybody's exaltation of you to get into your heart and vice versa. If you don't let one get into your head, you won't let it get into your heart. And that's something that I've practiced pretty diligently over the last 10 years where I haven't let people's exaltation and praise get into my heart or my head. So therefore, when the criticism came, when the government came after me, you know, I did 90 interviews during that time. I was on Fox and Friends, CNN, MSNBC, CBS, ABC, NBC. I was on all of them. And every one of them, their intention was to make me that that Waco, Texas, you know, crazy cult leader that was going to kill his congregation, drink the Kool-Aid. I was the, I was the epitome of what's wrong in Christianity, doing the wrong thing, fighting the government. Every one of them, that was their intention in the interview. And many of those interviews, it didn't turn out right because they did not trap me because I was not motivated by their intentions yeah. to try to destroy my character because I knew I was doing what my king wanted me to do, and I have one person to please, and that is Jesus Christ. That's awesome. Well, I could ask you a lot more questions. Uh, I still want to encourage people to call in. We've got some callers on the line. I'm going to go to them. But if you want to call at 719-619-2341, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and right before we go to this caller, uh, if people wanted to be a part of what you're doing and support you and stuff, and again, you, you're in a town of 3,000 people, and uh, you know not everybody's going to like you. So if people are watching this broadcast and are really excited and say, man, I want to encourage you, how would they do that? Uh, so there's, a, there's multiple ways. Uh, so I have an itinerant ministry where I travel around. It's called Steve Castle Ministries. And my website's just stevecastle.com. And so you can talk to your pastor. And I'll be happy to come to your church. And, and if your um, cat pastor needs a little swift kick in the rear, I think Steve would be a good one to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't present it in that way. I would prefer for it to not be presented that way. But I travel all over the world. Kay and I just got back from Germany. Um, we're going to be in Honduras in a minute. We go to Guatemala uh, just this year. And so we literally have been traveling the world and, and bringing this message of courage, uh, courage and boldness um, and also the trying to create the the bride the church liberating the bride are trying to create in these leaders their uh, the ability for them to fight back to push back but also in the believers themselves and so you go to steve castle ministries you can talk to your your pastors to invite me i'll come and minister you can support me you can be a partner with steve castle ministries you can go to beloved church that's the church that we have in lena you can subscribe to our YouTube channel through our website at Beloved Church. And so you can hear these messages. You can share.
share these messages and have other people get encouraged and find out how they can engage with the culture and the society that, that is trying to overwhelm them as well. Um, you can also buy my book. You can buy multiple copies of my book and hand them to, to ministers and different leaders and it would encourage them to uh, go out and fight in a courageous and brave way. And the way that you can do that, you can go to drstevecastle.com and you can get a copy of the book. You can go on Amazon, you can get a copy of the book. So any of those ways, you can support what we're doing. That's awesome. All right, so again, call 719-619-2341. Let's go to Frank, and uh, you're from Missouri. And Frank, you're on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show with Andrew and Steve. Yeah, it's such a privilege to to ask the brother a question. When God calls a man, he bids him come and die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. We have bro brother Andrew, I've been watching you for 20 years and I've been wanting to come to Karis and I've been accepted to come to Karis. But uh, it's kind of funny that I've been praying with a counselor or, or with a every day except for you guys don't do it on the holidays. And uh, God's answered this prayer because two blocks away, a uh, 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 Karis church is stuck. <laughs> wow. That's, that's not the way I would have God answering my prayer. I, I want to come to Woodland <laughs> Anyways, uh, it's just, just <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, anyways, uh, I've had them pointing their guns at me, and and, and I'm having to t tell them, uh, hey, the good news is the bad news is wrong, boys. Uh, I'm an American. If you want my passport, you're going to have to kill me and take it off of my dead body. Uh, that's the question that I wanted to ask was, uh, you know, did, did you ever get to the point where they were pointing guns in your face? Uh, I have to I have to kind of be a little bit careful about how I say these things because there's uh, there's still some backstory that I can't um, uncover. But we had to hire security uh, to, to to cover our people and our church during service. I had to if you go and look online at our lawsuit, one of the named uh, plaintiffs on our lawsuit was the sheriff of our county, who also was um, a friend of mine as well. Again, like I said, I was an elected official. And so the sheriff of our county was actually one of the people that had to be named on our lawsuit because legally you have to sue everybody all the way up. You can't just sue the governor directly. You have to sue every entity all the way up to the governor. And so because I was suing the sheriff of our county, he's like, you're on your own, bucko. You know, I am not, I'm not protecting you. And so. Uh, we had no legitimate protection from any of the, of what you would expect as a, as a U.S. citizen. And so we had to find security some other way. And there, there was only a couple of instances where things got a little bit dicey, but they were handled, I believe, by the Spirit of God. The safest place that you'll ever be, says a good friend of mine, the safest place that you'll ever be is in the center of God's Amen. will. And we were directly in the center of God's will and not for one moment did I fear for my life. Did you know I had some similar things happen where the governor threatened to uh, stop us and stuff, but our uh, sheriff was on our side. And like you, I'm not free to say all of the things because I could maybe get the sheriff in trouble, yeah. but uh, he was on our side. And because of that, it really blunted what happened because in the local area, the sheriff is the one that has the supreme authority in Colorado. I don't know how it is in Illinois, but 
he really protected us and he helped us and ultimately he had to serve us a cease and desist order but it uh, was 45 minutes after our meeting was over. I was I was at the meeting. Oh, were you there? I was there. It was at the <laughs> minister's conference. Yeah. I remember right. I remember Pastor Dwayne Sheriff when he uh, when he came out after you fun. after you basically told him like, hey, Pastor Dwayne, you're going to get arrested because they're going to arrest me and then they're going to arrest you. And his face, okay. he was as white as a ghost when he came out. I told meeting. Dwayne, I said, now if they arrest me, you're in charge. So you just take over. And his I was sitting was so, on the front row he was so and white. my staff came and got me because they, they had threatened something. And so they didn't arrest me, but my staff came and got me and took me out of the meeting. And I remember looking at Dwayne, he just was like, and I knew a little bit of what was going on at that time because we had communicated over the fact that I was in my fight and so he was in a similar fight. And so when that happened in that meeting after they announced what they announced, I looked right at Pastor Dwayne and he was he was Dear stone cold. Headlines. He's like, oh, here we go. <laughs> like, I'm here I go. I got a friend named Andrew Womack. Go to a minister's conference, minister forum. I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> you know, how terrible is this that you, in, you would think in the United States that you could be arrested yep. and have death threats because you just refuse to shut your church and you're going to keep preaching the gospel. And I guarantee you, you didn't do it in a belligerent nope. way. You weren't mean. You didn't hate them. Nope. You didn't call them bad names. You just said, I'm standing on my rights. And who would have ever thought this would happen in the United States? You know, and it's been coming for a long time. That's, that's one of the things that I was alluding to. You know, you asked me, like, what, how did we get here? And one of them, I would say the, the insecurity of the general minister who's, who's swayed by the fear of man. Um, another reason is, is because society and culture has been doing a very good job for decades of taking godly masculinity out. We, they've been calling it toxic masculinity by taking godly masculinity out of the men of our society. You know, if you think about this, you know, they're not going to try this stuff in a Muslim community. Why is that? Because they know darn well what would happen if they went in there and they tried to pull their tyranny stuff in a Muslim community. They, they would not, (laughs) they would not be very successful, but because the, Man in America, the men of America have been emasculated so yeah. badly yeah. that, you know, we're just, we're just going to sit by and say, well, I guess they're going to do this to my children. I guess they're going to do this to the church. I guess they're going to do this in my workplace. You know, I mean, what am I supposed to do? You know, I'm a Christian. I guess I'll just be a pacifist and lay down and take it. And maybe Jesus will make it right. No, Jesus is the Jesus is the one that stood right in the face of tyranny, right in the face of evil, and he and he basically said, "You are not going this far." First John three eight says that it was for this purpose the Son of God was manifest to destroy the works of evil. Destroy like that's language about Jesus Christ, the love of God, the grace of God. He came here to destroy the works of evil. When is the last time you've heard a minister or or even a a, a man, a a conservative man in America say, you know what, we need to destroy evil. We need to destroy lies, destroy deception in this country. It just doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. So we uh, need to take some more calls, but I've still got a lot of questions okay. for you. Yes, sir. But anyway, yeah, we got some lines open, 719-619-2341. Let's go to Melanie in Ohio and take your call. Melanie, you're on with Andrew and Steve on Truth and Liberty Live. Call in. Hello. Hello. Uh, Hi. My question is, uh, would you uh, 
talk about what you believe the bride is, as opposed to the word church, where um, that has become sort of religious in a lot of ways. Yes, ma'am. So this is going to get into some deep theological territory, but uh, a lot of this language was alluded to by uh, the Old Testament writers. We, we as modern Christians, we don't have a very good grasp on the Old Testament. And because of it, we lose a lot of context. This wasn't something that John just decided to pop off with in the book of Revelation, you know, like the bride has made herself ready uh, for the wedding supper of the Lamb. This, w- this had deep, deep theological roots in authentic Hebrew living. This is, it's, it's, it's referred to in Isaiah, it's referred to in Ezekiel, it's referred to in Numbers, Moses even talked about it. But the, the, the totality of it is that we are going into the day of the Lord, which we would reference in Christianity as the apocalypse, the end times. And the day of the Lord was this consummation of the kingdom, the consummation of the age, which Jesus initiated the kingdom and we're eventually going into a time where the kingdom is going to be consummated. And that consummation is going to be the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is this wedding feast, which, man, this, this, go, this, this goes so many different directions. And I, I don't want to take forever to try to answer this question. But one of the reasons that the Lord did the Last Supper the way that he did the Last Supper was because he was pointing his disciples towards this exact same language. And so, basically, to answer your question, the bride is the remnant. It is the people who are not going to experience the second death that are going to be gathered together at the consummation of the age on the day of the Lord after the, after the judgment, after the, the defeat of, of death, hell, and the grave completely, and the lake of fire and that whole mess. That day, those people gathered there, they are the bride for that meal, that breaking of bread and that drinking of wine meal that Jesus wants us to do often in remembrance that he's coming back. That's uh, pretty good. <laughs> and it gets way that deeper. Help, Melanie? That. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. All right. Thank you. All right. We're going to take a break here in just a few minutes, but we've still got some lines open, 719-619-2341. Let me ask you about so many Christians will agree with us on morality and say that, you know, abortion is wrong, homosexuality, transgenderism, the mutilation of children's bodies, on and on. They, They can say that, well, we don't believe in that, but they believe that we're just supposed to love the people and to stand up like what you've done and what you're talking about. There's Christians that will say that that's not the right approach. How do you respond? Um, just, just to be clear, as I was going through that story, you know, those thousands of phone calls, those thousands of messages that we took, they were almost exclusively from Christians and pastors. Wow. That were cussing us out, that were calling us terrible names. You know, makes you question if they're truly Christians well, or pastors you know, if they're using profanity. Yeah, any, anybody can call themselves a Christian, especially in our society, because basically the way it works in our society is you check a box when you fill your taxes. Are you Muslim? Nope. Are you Hindu? Nope. So what are you? Uh, must be Christian because I'm none of those. And so obviously the, the definition of what a Christian has needs to be uh, done better. But the, the point is, is that the, the reason that people won't stand up is because basically we are in 
the, the facet of society to where if it doesn't directly affect you, you basically don't care. If it's not my kid that's being, that's being trafficked, you know, I, that's a terrible thing. I hate it for you, but it's just not my problem. I'm gonna stay in my lane. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my life. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do my little thing. I'm gonna go to church once a month, check the box, and I'm just gonna move on with my life. I gotta find my pension. I gotta pay my mortgage. I got, I got my own fish to fry, preacher. I don't need to engage myself with all that, which is exactly the opposite of what Jesus talked Wouldn't about in Matthew 6. you call selfishness? It, Jesus said in Matthew 6, really the best thing you can do for yourself is to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And when you do that, then you give Jesus permission to take care of all the needs that you need for yourself. So if you really do care about yourself, the best thing you can do is serve Jesus with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and he'll take care of self better than you ever possibly could. You know, I spoke to the uh, army members last night and I was talking along these lines and um, I was making some of the same points. And I know that there's one pastor there. I'm not certain of this because I'm not real close to him, but it's my opinion that they believe everything we're saying, but they're going to wait until somebody comes against their church. They aren't going to go out and look for a fight. They aren't going to stand up. And some of the things I was saying was the exact same thing, that if you wait, you would probably know this quote better than I did, but it was somebody in Germany that says that they came after the Jews. Yep. He wasn't a Jew, so he yep. let it go. Then they came after the homosexuals. He wasn't a homosexual. And finally, it got down to where they came after him, and everybody who was going to help him was gone. There was nobody left to defend me. Yeah. You... And so we've got to stand up. We cannot wait until it's at our door. That's too late. And, and they've been working this way for quite some time. So that, that's the reality of the purpose for them uh, working the narratives and the propaganda that they've been working. They basically want us to be very self-centered people so that they can pick off our neighbors. You know, there, I watched this little video one time that was put out that was called uh, Just Sing a Little Louder. And what this yeah. video was, was that they, were, they had this church in, in 1940, 44, 43 Germany, and this train pulled up outside of this church and on this train was a bunch of Jews that they were taking to the concentration camp. And the preacher looked out the window and he's like, uh, hey, organist, play a little louder and let's just all sing a little louder because that way we won't know about the problem that's going on outside. And I honestly think that the majority of America is just living their life like that. Just sing a little louder. Just just rent a little bit more Netflix. Just just, you know, chase your kids to the next soccer game. Just just keep your head down. Walk fast. Don't talk, don't engage with society, and this all will just eventually go away. But then they get your kid, and then the kid, and then your kid is gone, and then it gets into What's your... going to happen is, I believe that we are going to experience and are in a third great awakening, but yes, what sir. would happen is, instead of it all going away, America is going to go away if, if we don't stand up. So we've got to stand up. Let's take a break. We're going to come back on the other side and take some more calls, 719-619-2341. And we've got open lines, and so please call. We'd love to talk to you, 719-619-2341. So let's take a 90-second break, and we'll be right back. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website, at awmi.net slash events. You were created with a purpose. 
written in the heart of God long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience his unconditional love to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. All right, we're back. I'm here with Pastor Steve Castle. He pastors Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois. And there may be some of you in that area that you didn't know about that and you'd love to come to his church. And so I'd encourage you to do it. And also he's got this book, he's offering that. We've put the addresses, the web addresses up on there. And uh, I'd encourage you to please support him to be a part of what he's doing. He's in a very small community, but he's making a stand and it's having a worldwide impact. So let's go to Gladys, and Gladys, you are from Georgia. You're a partner with me and also with Truth and Liberty, and do you have a question for us? Yes, thank you so much, Brother Andrew, for taking my call. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you, Pastor Steve? I'm, I'm honored at your call, and I'm blessed as well. Okay. Thank you so much, Pastor Steve, for standing up for the gospel. Amen. I pray that there are more pastors like you who would come up and stand up for Jesus. Amen. Amen. So my question is, with everything that you've been through, you've gone through, how are your children uh, taking it, please? Good question. It's an incredible question. Um, and, and really, honestly, people that hear this testimony, that's a, that's a normal question for them um, to ask because they actually have the heart of what we're carrying. And so let me just say this, I have the greatest wife on the planet. And, and I mean that, Kay and I have the greatest marriage that, of anybody that's alive today. And my children, um, they, they've been raised in these environments. They've been raised authentically in the kingdom of God. And my children, um, and, and I, I say this with incredible humility and I say it choking back emotions, but I am a hero to my children and I don't. That's awesome. I don't, I don't deserve that, but I'm a hero to our children and they love me and um, they would have done anything for us in that moment and they would still do anything for us now. And this, honestly, I would say this entire testimony that I'm telling you has made our family much stronger. And that, that's another implication that I, that I want to encourage everybody that's listening, you being bold and courageous and doing things for God, especially going against the society and the culture that we're up against. This isn't going to be something that's going to cost you in life. This is going to be something that's going to enrich your life. My life is greatly enriched because God gave me the opportunity to do these things for him. 
And so if you want to make the important things important, go and do something big for God. And you'll find out all this other minutia on the side of your life really doesn't matter a whole lot. A lot of conversations, a lot of, of quarrelings between people and family members, these things go away when you actually have a vision and a mission that God has called you to do. Man, that's awesome. How old are your kids? A uh, 23-year-old daughter and a 22, uh, almost 22-year-old son. So they would have been in their late teens when yep. all of this happened? Yep. And you know, those of you that missed the beginning of our program today, Steve was giving his testimony. He was raised in a preacher's home, but the preacher got off track when you were young. And uh, I think that that hypocrisy of not yep. seeing him live what he was preaching was part of what caused you to go off the rails for over a decade. Yep, and, and I always want to make sure that I do this. Like my dad and I have an incredible relationship now. He's, I love him, he loves me. He was just at our house last week okay. and we had a meal together. And so uh, things have changed a lot since I was a kid. You know, as, as you mature, you find out sometimes how, uh, how wise your parents are and you also find out how ignorant you are. And so some of the problems that I had when I was a kid were me, believe it or not, my, self, my own self-centeredness. Um, and so now we have a great relationship, my dad and I. But we've seen, uh, me and my brothers, we've seen an incredible amount of hypocrisy, an incredible amount. And it definitely uh, tainted our hearts towards the things of God. And because of it, it actually has made me a, a stronger person now because now I can smell hypocrisy and I can see disingenuousness. My, my spider senses as it relates to the discernment of the spirit for those kind of things are, are almost perfectly accurate. And so that's one of the things that I preach at our church all the time about being authentic and genuine and sincere, not only with God, but with other people. Because I th honestly think that an authentic, genuine Christian is the solution to the world that's out there. Because if you're authentic, you're going to be bold and courageous. So to answer Gladys's question, you told what the end result was. Your family's doing great, but it, I think a lot of it's because they saw you were living what you preached. Yep. And hypocrisy is a major, major yep. turnoff. And some of the people that uh, some of the people that fled, that left during those times because they couldn't take the pressure of those moments, some of those families are not doing well. Some of those families are in divorces and their, and their children have left them and things like that. And so there's also, this is a double-edged sword. It, it bites both ways. You do, you do things for God, you be authentic for God, you be bold and courageous for God, and He will give you the rewards. If you, if you lay down for the enemy, the, the enemy is going to give you his rewards too. And his rewards, as we know, are death, destruction, misery. And so it is always much better for, for you in every situation to do the hard thing. God's raising you to be a hero. And heroes do hard things. But the, the reward for doing the hard thing is always going to be way better than the, what the enemy is going to reward you with in this life. So, um, out of all of the people that deserted you who said they were going to be with you, have you seen any of them come back around now that the pressure is off and have they come back? So, Andrew teaches these great messages on humility and, uh, and, this is, and they're probably not super duper popular because nobody ever wants to hear messages on humility. That's why he had the name his book, More Grace, More Favor, yeah. because nobody wanted a book on humility. 
Um, but to be fair, uh, there, there is not very many humble people. And so even people like this that knew that they made mistakes and they knew that they made, made bad choices. Have they admitted it to you? <clears throat> they've not admitted it to me maybe directly, but there are some other people that they've confessed to the fact that Either maybe that they, uh, they made a bad choice. That's kind of like my brother. I love my brother and I've always looked up to him. He's four and a half years older than me, but at one time he told my mother I was a cult and she needed to get away. And he's, you know, we're, we're all right. I never was upset with him and stuff, but he came here, saw what God has done. Yeah. And instead of saying I was wrong or I'm sorry, yep. he says, maybe I overstated. <laughs> You know, that was his way of yep, 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 yep. And uh, so that's kind of what you're experiencing. Some people may not be on your case anymore, but yep. they haven't really humbled themselves. They should. Well, well you, re you remember in the scriptures when Miriam and Aaron, when they talked bad about Moses, you know, obviously Miriam ended up with leprosy and God threatened Aaron, you know, within the uh, an inch of his own life. And so they obviously repented and they got it right. But there's no instance in there where they went back to brother Moses. Moses, now look, you know, me and Miriam, we were kind of off track and we said terrible stuff about you. We're super duper sorry for doing all the things. None of that ever went down. It was just like, okay. I've never thought of that. Yep. And it, it's not. And you, you know what? Miriam was never spoken of again. Nope, except that was it. She died. That was it. That's kind of just ruined the whole thing. So, Gladys, thank you for your call. We've still got lines open, 719-619-2341. I tell you what, this is so powerful that Christians need to develop, they need to grow a backbone. we got a lot of wimpy Christians that somehow or another think that if you're truly a Christian, you just turn the other cheek. Do you have any revelation on those scriptures where Jesus was saying, don't resist evil, turn the other cheek? How do you deal with that? I'm sure you've been... You probably had some of these people that called you quote those verses. Yeah. Uh, so first off, I'll say that uh, those verses actually those are those are more verses that d have deep Hebraic connections that a lot of people don't they don't do their research. You know, I, I've my my, I got my doctorate degree in ministry has required me to go back into to Near Eastern studies and to look at the Second Temple period and some of those writings that were back then. And so there's a lot of connections that are made in our Dune Testament that modern progressive Christians will never make because they won't do the research, they won't do the hard work of studying the scriptures and some of the, uh, the, the near scriptural texts of those times. But anyway, the turn the other cheek was, was Jesus basically combating the fact that there, at that time in Judaism, there was this uh, indignation where they felt like they were better than anybody else. And so they had a right to revenge at any moment. And so then Jesus came back and he was basically trying to uh, bring back into proper understanding what uh, the, re the vengeance of God. You know, if God is your vengeance, then you don't need to take your own vengeance. And one thing is, is that that, that instance where Jesus said that you're supposed to turn your other, the other cheek, that was an instance about a person operating under the context of ministering the gospel. That doesn't mean, it. like Andrew said, like if, you're, if you come and assault me or insult me for preaching the gospel, for standing up in my church or doing whatever, and you strike me on the cheek, I'm turning you the other cheek. But if you come in my home and you want to rob my home, you're going to find out that I'm a Second Amendment believer, <laughs> I, and that ain't going to go well. <laughs> I got a gun that'll, a bullet that'll penetrate armor. 
I have to, and I, I have well, to not talk did. like Andrew, but. <laughs> you know, that's the way that I deal with this is that if I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake, and the scripture does make a distinction when it says, you know, if you be persecuted for righteousness sake and bear it, well then, you know, there's praise. But if you are suffering because of your own wrong, yep. that's a different thing. So if somebody comes against me uh, for preaching the gospel, I'll take it. But man, if you come and want to rob me, you better know how to defend yourself. <laughs> Amen. And I'm not the toughest guy around, but I was taught how to kill a person with my bare hands. And I'm not sure I could do it, but I'd try. <laughs> <laughs> and I work out every day of my life. And so I'm ready for whatever God calls me to do. Okay. So let's go to, I'm not sure I can pronounce this. It's an international person from Ireland. Is it Obijan from uh, Ireland? You're on with Steve and Andrew on Truth and Liberty Live call-in show. Uh, hello. Uh, thanks for uh, taking my call. Yes, so um, I heard Stephen talking about uh, godly masculinity, not toxic, but godly. And I believe I was raised in a cheapest culture here. So um, it's very, uh, you, you can't use your opinions to um, go over somebody else's opinion. So you just keep your mouth shut and let everybody else talk. Um, so I, I, you know, I did stand up, but you know, you, you you talk a lot about you can't allow this stuff to get to your heart. Um, yes. I, to be honest, I think it has. What is the best way to regain, or what's the best approach to regain godly masculinity in somebody's life? Uh, do you think? Well, one of the first things, first of all, thanks for your call. And from Ireland, what an honor. Uh, first off, you have to be able to define masculinity the way that God defines it. You know, Jesus is always the perfect example, the perfect image of anything that, that we need to look into in Christianity. And so first, to regain what masculinity is supposed to be, you need to have an image. So you need to, on purpose, I would encourage you to go through the Gospels and on purpose look at Jesus as a man and how did he do it? And so that would be a great first step. And then secondly is you can, you can look at culture and you can look at society, the places that they're targeting. They want you out of shape. They want you, um, they, they want you emasculated to the point where they're promoting, you know, obviously the, the women are supposed to have all these roles of leadership over men and over your own life. And, you know, and if you, and if you don't let that happen, then you're some kind of misogynist or you're, you're, you're just an evil person or male a bad chauvinist. person. Yeah. Male chauvinist. And, and so if you look at what culture and society are doing, you'll be able to figure out that the enemy is targeting the authentic by trying to bring in the plastic, the fake. And so that's another, that's another good way to regain that. But um, the, third, the third thing that I would tell you is just repent. I mean, if you recognize the fact that maybe you've lost some of these places in your life, is to go to your father. Your father is a professional at raising godly men. He's been doing it for 6,000 years, and he'll do it for you. And go to him and repent and ask him, you know, Father, where have I lost the places that you've raised me to be a man to to challenge culture, to challenge society, to do the right thing for you and your kingdom and help me, train me, teach me. God's favorite position in our lives is Father. He loves us to be his children, that he can develop us into the sons that he desires for us to be. And so repentance is pretty much where everything in the kingdom of God starts. 
and repentance means you were headed one direction and now you're going to completely turn around and head another direction. And so going to him, looking at Jesus being a real authentic version of Christianity and masculinity both, and then obviously looking at culture and society and seeing how they're taking masculinity away and, and putting it back into your own life. I would, I would encourage you to get in shape. I don't know if you're in good shape or not, but uh, as, a, as a man's body ages, you lose testosterone. Um, and so if you're not on purpose building muscle, if you're not on purpose doing uh, things that are, that are working your body, then you are going to get, you're going to get lethargic, you're going to get out of shape, you're going to lose testosterone. And so there's some natural things that you can do on this. And then there's obviously some spiritual things. Let me just amplify one thing Steve said. And, you know, he said you got to go to the Lord and ask him to show you how to be a man. But you go to the Word. And there's examples. David challenging Goliath, you uncircumcised Philistine. That's a man's yeah. attitude. And you can go to, you know, just person after person in the Bible, Gideon standing up and going down and fighting millions of people with 300. Yep, and you can see the opposite. If you go look at Ahab, go study Ahab, and Jezebel took Ahab's masculinity. And at the very end, right before Jezebel was, this, the Lord shocked me with this one time when I was reading this, right at the very end, right before Jezebel was dead, Jezebel had surrounded herself with eunuchs. Eunuchs are people that have had their masculinity taken away. And so this culture needs to surround itself with eunuchs in order for it to survive and have, uh, and have the ability to do the influence Boy, that'll that it preach. It, it'll preach. Well. I bet you you have preached. <laughs> I have preached. Well, let's go to Shelley in Oklahoma, and you are on with Steve and Andrew on Truth and Liberty Live. Call in. Good evening, gentlemen. I just wanted to ask, uh, Pastor Steve, how important was it when you went up against the government that you knew the Constitution, you knew what it said, you knew what it didn't say, and therefore you could respond versus, you know, it's not, not so much being taught today, and how would you respond to that? Uh, that's a great question, Shelley. Thank you very much. Um, first off, I'll say that Steve Castle Ministries, if you're out there and you do not have a personal pocket constitution, my ministry will mail you one for free. If you go Water to stevecastle.com, I will mail you a pocket constitution for free. All you have to do is give me your email address and your mailing address, and I'll send you one. But I honestly believe that outside of the scriptures, the next most important penned by human hand documents that exist are the founding documents of our country. And um, honestly, I, I see now the orchestration of the Lord in my life where I had always been a person that had been very diligent about studying U.S. history, about studying the founding documents, about looking in there. And I'll be honest with you, when I called, uh, when I had that hour and a half conversation with the attorney from Thomas More Society, he did not know the things that I knew about the Constitution, about my rights mm. as an individual. Now, I want you to think about that. There are people that are out there that are constitutional lawyers and that are civic, uh, they, they are people that fight civic suits and they don't know the Constitution. They might know law, they might know 
the things that are going on in the courtroom, but they don't know the Constitution. I would encourage everyone out there, if you don't know your rights, they can be taken away. That's right. Just like the devil. The devil wants you to not know your identity, and he wants you to not know your rights in Christ so he can take away what rightfully belongs to you. And I would say the world works the exact same way in the American culture. So thanks, Shelley. I hope that helped. That's a good answer. Let's go to Iona, uh, an AWM partner, and it says here on our screen that you are 92 years young. Woo, Thank way you to go. for your call from Texas. Uh, I just want to tell you, boys, I am so thankful that you have stood up this way. You are true patriots of, of and followers of Jesus. You know, when you stop and think about it, how many of them stayed with Jesus when he was in the uh, garden or in the uh, all forsook him in prior to his his um, uh, persecution and and uh, killing. Uh, this just blesses the socks off me to see <laughs> people that will actually stand for what the Word of God really is talking about. It just really, really just blesses me. Well, thank you, Iona. That really blesses me for you to call me a boy. You know, there's not many people that look at me as a boy, but I think at 92 Amen. years young, you have that right. And I, and I have, uh, Iona, I'm, I'm so blessed uh, by your by your affirmation as well. And I have a quote for you. You use the word patriot. And so I want to read you this quote because this inspired me when I was in my fight. This is from George Washington. And if we could, if anybody could be called a patriot, it'd be George Washington. And I want you to listen to his words. He said, while we are zealously performing the duties of good citizens and soldiers, we certainly ought not to be inattentive to the higher duties of religion. To the distinguished character of patriot, it should be our highest glory to add the more distinguished character of Christian. So George Washington basically, let me give you the Steve Castle interpretation of George Washington's quote. If you are going to be an ardent patriot, you have to be a fervent Christian. If you're going to be a fervent Christian, you have to be an ardent Amen. patriot. That's really good. Very good. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate your call. That's a real blessing. Let's go to Chin in Louisiana, and you are on the live call-in program with Steve and Andrew. Hello, Andrew and Steve. Thank you so Hello. much for all you do. Yes, ma'am. We're listening. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So my question was, I found out in um, John 18 that Jesus had an answer. So my question for all those Christians who say turn the other cheek as though it's a blanket uh, rule. Why did Jesus not turn? Did Jesus turn the other cheek when uh, the high priest was asking him a question? Like he had a response. So basically, I'm, I'm thinking that all that we are being asked to do as patriots is to respond. Respond in a godly fashion. And just don't let people just walk all over other people walk all over our rights as citizens or destroy other people's lives. So, I mean, well, Chen, let me, let me start the answer, and I'll let Steve finish it. I look like he's ready to answer. But in uh, John chapter 18 is where he went before Herod, and Herod said, Don't you know that I have power to do all these things to you? And he said, You could have no power unless it was given unto you. And he said, If my kingdom were of this earth, then would my servants fight. 
but he says, my kingdom is from above. And this goes back to what Steve and I were saying earlier, that if you persecute me for being a Christian, for being in the kingdom of God, then I'm going to take that. And you can go back to so many people in uh, Christian history that have suffered martyrdom, that actually have, uh, you know, the disciples in the book of Acts, they left rejoicing that they were even counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. So if it's for the kingdom of God that you're persecuting me, that's one thing. But he said, if my kingdom were of this earth, then would my servants fight. And we have a dual citizenship here. And as Steve was just sharing a few moments ago, our constitution gives us rights and the government is overreaching those rights. They're taking away things. And I guarantee you, if you give the government rights to shut down churches, to tell you what you can say and can't say and all of these kind of things, they aren't going to give those rights back to you. Uh, And so... When it comes to them violating our Constitution, we are kind of a unique group of people that haven't existed in history before because we not only have a kingdom from God, but we have a kingdom that was given to us by godly forefathers, and we've got rights that they have fought and died for, and we need to stand up and boldly push back on those things. Yeah, and I would actually say that uh, the way that I look at and interpret the Scriptures, I would say that Jesus was very diligent about picking a fight. <laughs> and, and obviously not so much with, with earthly people because He knew that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But Jesus was very diligent about picking a fight. You know, for Him to go and stand at the gates of hell, which is where He was in Matthew chapter 16, when He asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? He was literally standing at the foot of Mount Hermon, which was known as the gates of hell. And there were multiple deities, there were multiple gods that were known to reside there. And he on purpose went there and he was picking a fight. He was basically standing there defiantly, face like a flint, and he was saying that, Peter, your confession came right from the Most High God, that I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, this is the revelation that I'm going to build my ecclesia on. And then right after he had that encounter, if you remember, he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was on purpose picking a fight with the principalities, with the powers, with the devil. And so don't think for a minute that Jesus was just floating from cloud to cloud like a lot of us think. And in, in, in our churches in Sunday school, they got a picture of Jesus. And he's on the back wall of the, of the kids' church, and he's got long hair and blue eyes, and he looks like a Hollywood star, and he's got some sheep in his lap, and he's petting his sheep, and they're teaching the kids, be like Jesus, just sit on a rock and pet a sheep. When Jesus literally went up against the God of this world and all of the other Elohim gods that were coming against him, and he said, here I am, come and get me. And the same thing in, in John chapter 18, which is where you just uh, referenced, he stood right in front of Caiaphas. And Caiaphas says, you tell us who you are. Who are you? And he literally referenced that he was the son of man that Ezekiel was talking about that was the, the, the cloud rider. Next you'll see me coming riding on the clouds. The cloud rider was the figure in the book of Ezekiel that was the, the incarnation of Yahweh that was going to come in the flesh. He basically said, Caiaphas, I'm God. What do you got? He was picking a fight everywhere he went. 
And I think that, that Jesus has been totally misrepresented by the church as being a passive person. And there's a lot of people, for instance, Quakers, and you could go into some other groups that believe that if you were, you know, drafted to go to war, that you wouldn't fight and defend yourself. And yet there's scriptures that says that you need to teach this generation because they haven't had war. They don't know how to fight. And did you know the scripture that we often quote that says, be sure your sins will find you out? <laughs> did you know that that verse is referencing that if you don't go fight when your brothers are attacked, and if you don't go to war and fight and defend them, be sure your sins will find you out. And so Jesus, he's the one that said, you know, don't call anybody a fool or you're in danger of hellfire. And yet Jesus called many people a fool. He said, you fool. He said that to a number of people. So you have to look at Scripture, interpreting Scripture. It's not saying that you can't call a person a fool. It's saying be careful because if you misjudge things, right. then you will be in danger of being judged by your, the way you've judged other people. But, you know, when it says judge not that you be not judged, that doesn't mean that you don't judge because Jesus reprimanded two of the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3 because they didn't right. judge the people in their church who were doing wrong, Jezebel and others. So anyway, people have taken isolated scriptures yeah. and have yeah. separated them. But if you look at Jesus' life, just like what Steve is saying, Jesus was a man and he didn't back down for anybody and he didn't go out and do things in his flesh just to offend people, but he spoke the truth. And if the truth offended people, he did not back down from it. Yeah, and here's a radical thought that I want you to consider. In Luke chapter 22, when Jesus was nearing the end of his earthly ministry, he said these really strange things. He said, you know, when I used to send you guys out, which he was referencing Luke chapter 9 and Luke chapter 10, he said, I sent you out with no purse, no script, no that, you know, I sent you out two by two. You basically just had to completely live on the grace of God, expecting the Father to take care of you. He goes, but now I'm sending you out, and I'm sending you out in a little bit different way. And he said, and if you don't have a sword, go and buy one. And here's, here's the thing. And then his disciples came back to him, and he said, Lord, look, here's two swords. And the Lord said, okay, that's cool. Here's something for you to think about. Why was Jesus having swords in his ministry? They had two swords already with them. So Jesus affirmed the fact that it was okay for his disciples to be carrying concealed weapons while they were walking you know around. What? We're going to have to quit on that. Note. We're out of time. Man, I'd like to hear the rest of this. So after we go off the air, I'll have Steve expound on this. But thank you for being with yes, us, sir. Steve. Yes, That's sir. a real blessing. Again, real quickly, your uh, addresses, if they want to get the book and stuff. Yep. Uh, you can go to drstevecastle.com. You can also go to stevecastle.com. Or you can go to BelovedChurchIllinois.com in any of those ways you can connect with me. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon. And so there's a, there's a ton of different ways that you can reach out to me in any way. So thank you for joining us. Remember that we do this every weekday at 3.30 till 5 o'clock Mountain Time. And we'd love to have you join us. We have all of these programs archived. And so you can go and watch this again. Maybe you knew, know somebody that needs to see this and you can direct them towards truthandliberty.net so that they could go see this again. Thank you for joining us. God bless you. And we'll see you again tomorrow. I'm going to be back tomorrow with Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. You'll enjoy it. Goodbye. Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our interactive daily broadcast where trusted leaders bring insights and analysis to the issues from a biblical perspective. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. 
So call in today to get biblical answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now here's your host, Andrew Womack. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.